millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. go too far with that main event of John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. I am Luke and this is housemate Simon Longdon and welcome to the AEW Full Gear 2019 review. I don't know if they're going to do another <laughs> one. I'm going to call it 2019 for yeah. now, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a terrific show. It was Absolutely good. Absolutely terrific show. Capped off with this Main event, this unsanctioned lights out main event. Mm. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I broad strokes to talk about the, the question of this video did they go too far? Mm-hmm. For me personally, no. I've seen a lot of people online, Dave Meltzer in particular, was very down on the match because he thought they did go too far. He thought the match went too long and they did too many ideas. Uh, I don't think it went. I don't think it was. It went too far. I thought it was nuts and it was insane at times. But I wouldn't say that it was like, oh my god, I think they took things too far. No, I mean, was was it really any more far than Gargano and Champa? Yeah, I, I really like when seeing the reaction online before seeing the pay per view. Yes, I thought they had done some. 90s Japanese death match <laughs> with fire exploding yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I actually thought, I mean. Could it have been eight minutes shorter? Maybe. Was it? Was that the be all and end all of it? Not really. Yep. I thought it actually had quite a good pace, and it actually had, actually unlike a lot of those sort of matches, it had a pace and a narrative that kind of went up and down, and you know some amazing spots. Oh god, incredible! Yeah. Um, and even it's like I did see a few. Like I think it might have been um, Bix and Span might have said like, just used it was a kind of like oh 
it was like gimmick this and blah, blah, blah. So I was expecting, when I first saw the barbed wire, I thought, oh, actually, that does look a bit gimmicky. And then he hits him with it. Yeah, and you can see the puncture marks yeah, in his so back like, right away. So yeah, no, I don't think it went too far at all. No. Actually. No, and it was really weird because like, as you say, when I saw the discourse online, because we only just finished watching this pay-per-view, yes. more or less, like, <laughs> probably about, oh, 10 minutes before we went yeah. live, I finally <laughs> finished the whole thing. Um, I, I sort of like watched bits and pieces and then had to watch the, the thing as a whole. Um, but it was, I was expecting it to be way more sort of outrageous than it really was. Yeah. But as you said, like, it's no more like hardcore than some of the Champa Gargano matches mm. that we had last year yeah. in their sort of trilogy of matches. And for me, I would much rather see wrestlers. Like, I think this is, it's chaos, but it's controlled chaos. Yes. And I would much rather this level of controlled chaos than, say, Will Ospreay doing the Spanish fly off the ring apron and cracking down on his neck. Yes. Like, I think it was was last year, that spot. And I'm pretty Mm. sure it was last year. Um, I'm sure Will Ospreay doesn't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, like, he did the Spanish fly and came crashing down on his neck and shoulders. And it was like... That's a move that is going to shorten your career. Yes. That is going to, you are, you're going to look back on moments when you like look back at your career, you'll be like, ah, that was the moment where I lost a couple of years of, mm. of me doing this for, 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 you know, for, for a certain amount of time. Whereas this is, it's controlled chaos. So yeah, so you might get some puncture marks in your back from some barbed wire, or you do a suplex onto a barbed wire bed, or you yeah. fall into some glass or something. You're just going to get some cuts and bruises. But at the end of the day, you're probably still going to be fine next week. Yeah. You'll just be a bit banged up. Yeah, I thought, but even you look at some of the stuff Kenny Omega did um, before he left New Japan, when he did the sort of crazy fly over the comment, through to the commentator's table, yes. and maybe, I mean, that nearly killed him. Yeah, yeah you know, totally. And that, wasn't, that was a normal match. Yeah. So, yeah, I, don't, I really don't, I, having seen it, gone in thinking, oh, this thing's going to be, it wasn't particularly bloody. Mm. You know, there was, I, I, I think. The one on the back of Moxie's head was bad. Yeah. But <clears throat> it wasn't like they were... There was no... Crimson considering, mask. <laughs> considering Muta was in the room, <laughs> there was no crimson mask going on, you know. No one bled as much as Dustin did at yeah. Double or Nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't really, I don't really think it went too far at all. I actually thought it, it had a kind of... Um, it connected with the crowd in the way that I do think is very particular to AEW, which is there is a sense of... Um, I'm going to use the word irony, but I don't mean it to say that they don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. But there is a connection with the crowd where they kind of go, everyone knows what's going on. Everyone's in on it. And therefore, you get to do the silliest stuff. And some of this was kind of silly. No, the glass was obviously sugar glass or whatever. Yeah. But everyone bought in. And it worked. And it worked. Like, you know. They sold it so well. And the crowd just bought into everything that they did. Yeah. There were, there's a moment during this match when they were doing the, the hangman noose mm. spot with the chain. The crowd just went very, very silent yeah. because the way that Moxley was positioned where his feet were off the ground and the way that the pair of them were selling it. So I think actually my, when I got my notes here, someone actually yells out, he's losing air, yeah. ref, come on. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I heard that guy. And it's just, I think the way that the, the two guys sold all of these spots I think really elevated every one of them. Yeah. So yeah, as you say, like, oh yeah, we know it's not glass. It's not real glass. It's just sugar glass, which is nice and safe. Mm. But it adds all the drama to it. So when they were doing like the the snap German suplex into it, I did go, ooh. Yeah. But you know, but thing is, I, I think the temptation for some people might be to say, oh, therefore it kind of took all the, 
I don't know. Sugar glass still hurts. Mm. It just doesn't hurt anywhere near as much. <laughs> <laughs> like you're supposed to go through it. You're not necessarily. You're not supposed to rub yourself in it. <laughs> Get dragged along. Yeah. And be like, oh, this is fun. This thing, I thought that was the really clever thing to do. Stuff like, you know, I think. Sometimes you, we get carried away with this. There are so many big spots now in any match, mm. on any given night. <laughs> but actually stuff that's like the dragging through the glass or whatever. Like, it was an unexpe- unexpected, totally psychological spot, mm. you know. And I just thought stuff like that was brilliant, the way they played. The way these two guys were, they just, they didn't even really want to win. They were just trying to punish each other yeah, totally. and prove to each other that they could be the more crazy one. Which which took it in this different dimension. I thought I, I thought it was really fun, and it totally ties into all of the story they've been telling leading into this match, which I think has been a fantastic story going into it, mm. and it just played off into the match itself. I I, I thought both guys executed it, yeah, perfectly. I will say as well in terms of the story, I thought, um, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about JR's commentary at some point, <laughs> but Excalibur's commentary, he he threw in lots of little. Little nuggets that just yeah. kind of so when when uh, Omega got the glass, he made sure to reference that 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 must be the glass from the thing that he went the through. Table, and like, yeah, all those little things. I just thought actually this was a a sort of full production. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. You know, I I thought it was all those little moments really elevated it. I thought particularly with Excalibur when uh, at the end of the match when uh, Omega did the Phoenix Splash. A Kota Ibushi oh move. God. And oh man, did he clatter into those yeah. boards. Excalibur made a note to point out that's a Kota Ibushi move. Like yes, without saying the name yeah. Kota Ibushi. No, yeah, he said, uh, didn't he say a tribute to the Golden Lovers? Yeah, or oh yeah, like yeah. the Golden Star. And, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, so he's making these references. So it ties into that Kenny Omega character and the sort of the journey that he has been, this consistent character journey for Omega. Yeah. So I thought Excalibur was, he was fantastic all night. He was, yeah. JR had his moments. He was a bit salty, JR. He just seemed to be in a bad mood. And also he kept, he spent the whole night uh, explaining the rules, (laughs) but as if the audience had never seen a wrestling match. And then kept calling, kept using sports references. So every time someone touched the ropes, he called it out of bounds. And it was a really bizarre evening for him. I don't really know what was going on. Well, let's run through some of these spots on this because like, it's, it's brawled early and they have the big sort of jumping drop kick over the railings. Like I, my first note is like, well, this is awesome already because it just feels like these two guys hate each other. And yes. this is a match that Moxley has been wanting since he was denied it at All Out. Mm. So he is, he, and now he wants the match with Omega and all of a sudden they've thrown this wrench into the into his plan saying like oh by the way it's not going to count your win loss record so yeah. Moxley's just like all right f it then yeah i'm just going to go out there and just, you can't sanction me then like i'm just going to go out there and kill your boy yeah and yeah. that was all Moxley was trying to do all match long <laughs> try and kill their boy yeah, yeah. um we got the barbed wire baseball bat the barbed wire broom it was the cleaner was cleaning him yeah. up with the barbed wire broom i thought some really really good stuff in there moonsault with a trash can and then we got the board of mouse traps. this is the only bit i thought was a bit i liked it i thought it was fine yeah, but it, <laughs> it was very czw but I yeah liked because it. the thing is i always think like because unless you like actually put your finger in one <laughs> they don't really they just go off they don't really do anything but i thought the way kenny made sure they all clipped and went off actually yeah. it did pop the crowd i did the, i then know if that bit i wrote down was that we could just rename this the johnny knoxville invitation i was about to say <laughs> it felt very jackass at yeah. it felt very jackass or that superhuman lad on twitter yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for all my juggalos whoop whoop i'm yeah. gonna jump into <laughs> yeah. these i these could definitely traps. i could definitely uh 
in my head as that came out, I thought, oh, there's gonna some people are gonna really hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the point that Dave Meltzer turned off when he was like, oh, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm out yeah. now. Yeah. I think. I think so. Um, yeah, we got the the chain. Mox got uh, this sort of like. Oh, big... the chain was. That's one of those spots where you think it's a shame that. Um, like we'll never know how much that hurts, but that was probably one of the more painful things they <laughs> yeah. did. And it would, and like, it's hard to communicate some of those things sometimes. Rest of the match, but I thought actually the crowd bought into that spot. Yeah, a lot, like really well, and it kind of really sold it. Absolutely, yeah. When Mox was choking him with him, and then Omega, like, I was hanging him essentially with the chain. <laughs> oh, it was, it was. Brutal. Oh, that was a great bit of Scalibur commentary as well, because they did a weird thing where uh, there was. I mean, if we're gonna, I don't know if we're gonna have a, a sort of. Picking nits section of the, uh, of, the of this review <laughs> on a wrestle talk I know, video. I know, I know, I know. Um, let's not get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple of times in the night, Anthony in this match wasn't quite sure what the rules were, mm. and uh, so when Moxie got to the ropes, which is this, so he is did it, it, is this in the sharpshooter. No, so this was I think the ref. It kind of looked like the ref was breaking up the hanging because mm. Moxie was like holding or in the ropes, and then yeah. Jr. comes in out of bounds, and then. Uh, Omega sort of let go. And Excalibur went, did you see that the blood on his hands made him slip from the chance the only reason he got out? It's like, now he was obviously covering for what was sort of uh, yeah. a kind of, oh, who gives a mess? Let's go out of this move kind of moment. But like, actually, I think making, that was a brilliant little... Absolutely. Making storyline sense of something like that. Like, the the criticism that I've had against AEW, particularly since the, the launch of Dynamite, have been the rules at times. Like, yes. the, the, the six-man on the opening show, which somehow ended up being a handicap match but there yeah. was never really an explanation as given why there was no DQ there was one a couple of weeks later as well I think we said well, they, they, they botched the finish it was the Darby Allen Chris Jericho match I think it was yeah, that yeah. Was it. so they've had a couple of moments like this but I thought that Excalibur did a really good job of covering for some of these things so like when Omega had him in the sharpshooter and Moxley had to drag himself through the glass <laughs> yeah. to get to the ropes it wasn't to get a rope break it was so he could pull himself up exactly. with the ropes yeah. and Excalibur pointed that out and being yeah. like hey, there's no rope breaks here this is not there's no rules yeah. but he was using the ropes for leverage yeah. so you still got to do the rope break spot and the crawling through the glass but it makes sense within the yeah. confines of the rule I, which I thought was, was really really nice yeah I thought so too um Right, uh, yeah, so with the crowd went very, very quiet off the uh, the hanging spot. Omega hit the rise of the Terminator through this table that had been yeah. set up earlier. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot that was there. Yeah, I know. Normally you sort of remember those bits. For some reason, I forgot they went through. Oh, yeah. Chekhov's table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, they, that's when they get the broken glass out, which is when Excalibur says that, that must be the broken glass from the table that he was put through on the first episode of Dynamite. Tries to stab him in the face, but instead gets him in the webbing of the fingers. Oh, yeah, that was and great. Again... As a wrestling fan, you're like, oh, well, like, yeah. I mean, I know his fingers probably aren't getting sliced up, but I totally bought into oh, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I loved it. I loved the fact that I got to buy into this. When the you big... get too carried away with criticizing wrestling for its realism, <laughs> just buy in. If the move is, I'm slicing his finger open and it looks fairly realistic, well, then go along with yeah, it. Absolutely. You'll probably yeah. have a better time. <laughs> Set out Powerbomb into the glass uh, and then Omega dragged him uh, through it. Um, Oh, yeah, really, really good stuff. And that's when we got the V-trigger reversed into the German suplex, into yeah, the glass. That good. was awesome. Um, Omega stabbed a mox in the head with the ice pick, and then he motions for the Bucks and Hangman Page to come out. And they're like going, whoa, 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 no, Kenny, you're going too far. And he's like, no, you go get my toy. And they bring out this barbed wire bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre. Like, who built this thing and yeah. why was it in the building? I suppose we can assume that Kenny was the one who like, like commissioned it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use my vice presidency role yeah. to commission this. Yeah. Spend the money, Tony. <laughs> and um, 
they did the sort of like they reversed some moves and then eventually uh, Moxley hit the suplex off the ramp into the bed I thought it just looked spectacular there was some great selling by the um sort of like as you call them they're young lions or whatever but like one of them was right by the camera and got caught up in it and was looking at the crowd going oh like that. Like they, were, they were all selling it as well yeah. and again Excalibur kept pointing out look the guys are getting caught up in it just trying to get them out yeah that, the, was, like, yeah, that cause that bit could those bits could have looked really fake hmm. You know, but because everyone was selling so well and the commentary was selling, like it just it really, really worked. There was a moment actually, again, putting over Excalibur when they were in the glass. When Paul Turner went to go make the count, he got his hand in the glass and yeah, sold him in like, yeah. a, "Oh, ow, I got it!" And Excalibur was like, "Do you see Paul Turner yeah, also got his hand yeah, in the glass? Yeah. Look how dangerous this all is!" Um, and after they get out of the the barbed wire beds. Moxley starts punching some of these, like, you know, these ring crews. <laughs> he just like, rabbit punch <laughs> that guy. It just sounds like he's like, Dish. <laughs> so funny. The crowd really went like it like hit him with a hammer. They were like, oh, <laughs> he hit a ring person. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we get this uh, V-trigger through this, like, AEW full gear light fixture that they had. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Like, it sounded brilliant. Yeah. It just looked cool. And again, Moxley got up first, which is weird. And then Excalibur... Noticed that Omega Martin hit his head on the way through. Yeah, replay showed it. Now it makes sense that he Moxley, that Moxley got up first, even Abs- though even yeah. though he had, it was just one of those weird little moments again where you're like, okay, this is cons- everyone's working to make this make sense. <laughs> and then I love when they finally get back into the ring. Um, Kenny Omega goes and grabs a bit of the table that they broke earlier to be like a ha ha ha. I'm gonna throw this into him, and it was a great red herring distraction because he walked in and walked into a paradigm shift into the glass and I popped massively like oh my god it's the finish yeah yeah and I totally bought that as the finish and it wasn't and then we got the the final spots of the match which was Moxley tearing up the canvas to just exposed boards um, it reminded me of the uh, well obviously the Champa and Gargano stuff that's where I'm straight away but the um, the LAX um, XLAX um, oh, what do they call the original? The OGs from yeah. TNA uh, last year as well when they did their Concrete Jungle match, which oh, had all the board. Yeah, of course. Which um, I, I think Ortiz recently said, it was either Ortiz or Santana said on Twitter, it was the dumbest match he's ever taken part in. <laughs> <laughs> just like, There's a lot of people who said that about the TNA matches they've had. <laughs> I think it was just more like, oh, I didn't want to take any of those bumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just kept taking them. <laughs> Um, but we get a big DDT onto the board. Um, we get a, Omega misses the Phoenix splash. That, that was we. I sometimes people just pile into the floor <laughs> in wrestling, and you just go, Jesus oh, Christ! Crikey. Like no attempt to stop. And also, he cut his head up a bit like uh, yeah. Cody's was. Like he really just he looked a bit unsure going up, and I was just like. Maybe I, I thought he was just kind of selling his balance. He was tired or whatever. Yeah. But I think he was probably just thinking, I'm just going to take it. <laughs> they didn't, just... didn't do anything to brace or he just when, took it. Yeah, because when uh, Moxie then hit that paradigm shift, you want to talk about high angle. It was oh, almost my, a suplex. Know, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. I, when the Kenny, as soon as hit, I was like, okay, well, this is, we're now. Yeah. Th- that was. We're in the end game now. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> so funny, it's funny, isn't it, how often the simplest thing. Yeah. Is the most spectacular. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. It was just, you know, they did the the wrestling finishing move. Yeah. And that was the one you made you go like, oh my God. And also like lots of, it sounds so simplistic, but lots of spots which are lots of sort of very small, tight, gruesome Mm. things to then just have a very loud impact. Suddenly... That jumps yeah. off the page completely. You know. Yeah, I uh, I thought the match was absolutely awesome. 
I thought it was an incredible Ooh. match. I thought it told a great story. I think both guys sold everything brilliantly throughout. I don't think they went too far. No. I, I thought that they actually pitched this really, really well. Yeah, I do too. I think they hit every single note. Yeah, it was, it was no, yeah, I, I thought the argument that it had gone too far was very strange. It was no, you know, we had at WrestleMania screwdrivers through noses and pliers, whatever we had. Oh, yeah. And, Jeff Hardy had that thing through his ear. Like, yeah, yeah. We've done like WWE has done super gross stuff that was way grosser than completely yeah. than this. You know, I thought this was yeah. I I think you're right. I think the tone of it was pitched just right. I think the way, you know, it really showed this different side of the way Omega's character has changed and how like gleeful he was, mm. but he was still ultimately trying to just sort of join Moxley in Moxley's world. And it was just yeah. I thought their character work in it was brilliant as well. Yeah, I think comparing it to because obviously uh, Dave Meltzer made this comparison. I've seen other people make the comparison as well. Comparing it to Mankind Undertaker from King of the Ring 1998, I think is is not a fair comparison. Because that, no. was, that was a match that changed McFoley's whole life. Yeah. Like, not in the sense of like it turned him into this sort of like mega superstar. And to, like, he really got the crowd on his side. It was people watched him walk into that match and they walk, watched him limp after that match. Yes. Like he was... You watch him versus Shawn Michaels at Mind Games, and you watch him a couple of years later after that King of the Ring match. It's a completely different man. Yeah. And that match and the bump off the top of the cell completely changed the way that that man's yeah. life functioned from then on. Yeah. Whereas this match, they're going to have some cuts, they're going to have some bruises. Apparently, Kenny Omega's not cleared to wrestle this week, which could just be storyline-wise, could just be a work. Also, could just be... Um, looks, looks like he... Took a, took that splash pretty hard on the head, and he's probably yeah. just a bit rattled. Maybe a minor concussion. Good, yeah, exactly. Something you along know, those lines, or, or even just just caution. But I anything. don't think this match is going to shorten either man's career. No, I don't think. So. I, I just think the, you know, the King of the Ring comparison. I saw that too, and I just thought, what a what a bizarre, um, what a bizarre bar to set for yeah. any match. Yeah. Really, you know, let's not desensitize. You know, like the Mick Foley did nearly die. Yeah. Twice in that match, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that was no one had ever seen anything like that before. The 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 cell as a thing had only existed for a couple of years, you yeah, know? but I, I, less than a year. Yeah, so I don't know. I think that's a really silly. Bar I, to I set don't. Yeah, threat. I don't think it's a fair. You know, this 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 was not this was not some like we've never seen that before match with a you know it was just it was exactly what it was and it was exactly what they pitched it to be actually as well. Like there was no when you look at the build up as well. You know, no one's been missold this match. No. You know, I don't think in any way. It's not, I don't know what people were expecting going in, but it kind of, it met, it met my expectations. Yeah. And exceeded them in terms of quality, in terms of the fun I had watching it. But in terms of the tone and the level of sort of depravity, you know, it was no, nothing like the Kingdom. That's a really silly... You know, I agree. Also, also really, let's, let's not belittle what Mick Foley went through as well. <laughs> let's not compare... Going yeah. through, you know, dropping onto some barbed wire from two feet in the air to what he did. No, let's not <laughs> let's not sully the memory of what he did by just comparing <laughs> every drop. Yeah, to- completely. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, right, well, let's see what y'all have got to say up in the super, super, super chats. Thank you to our mod mother um, for checking this all out for us. Thank you very much, Lady Lou. Uh, on the Moxley Omega subject, Jobber JJ uh, 496 Ollie Davis's number one fan, uh, says, for me, uh, in answer to the question, did they go too sure. far? For me, no, because I'm a sick bastard. Uh, but for others, maybe yes. Uh, Zach Icon Linda says they didn't go far enough. Needed ten thousand light tubes. I thought they were going to do light tubes only because there's a sort of callback to CCW because CCW was in the video package. Video package. I, I thought yeah. they were going to because that's so their thing. I was yeah. kind of expecting that, but also glad they didn't. Yeah, I got a bit of a thrill that all of that CCW footage was in four three as well. I know. I really, <laughs> I really like that. Like it was some age old. <laughs> we found these archived video. <laughs> Bob Buckland in CCW. Um, Zach is back in again to say some of the items felt super contrived at times which you mentioned earlier as well and I've seen a few people make those com- but it's, yeah, it's wrestling but, and but it's wrestling but also they had a reason to be there you know like the mousetrap one okay was silly um, I happen to not mind it I could, but if somebody said they did that's fine but like even the the craziest one was obviously the barbed wire bed but Omega called for it yeah described it and asked for it <laughs> and it makes total sense that he would have gone mad and built this thing I don't think that was that no. Weird. It, it, it existed in the universe they created. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, Michael Howell says, I was at Full Gear. Oh. Oh, lucky you, man. It was a great show. Um, he continues, uh, so I didn't hear the commentary. Did they connect that the glass used came from the table in DC? They did indeed. Did, yeah. yeah. So that's full on Excalibur. That. I wonder if it, did he, I wonder if, did he just in the room make that connection himself? I think Omega probably told him. 
Like, I think Omega's that kind of rest. Oh, sorry, no, I mean the guy who went to oh, the thing. Oh, right. As someone yeah. in the crowd, I wonder whether that was just a... Must he have just been, yeah. clocked it himself, or yeah. whether other people were kind of aware of that. I didn't or... make the connection until Excalibur said no, it. No, I didn't either. And I don't think I would have done had Excalibur not said it. No, that's true. I don't think I would have either. Uh, Blaze Mickelson says, fans, brackets, early 2019. Thank God the old John Mockley is back. Fans, late 2019. John is out of his mind. Barbed wire, glass, <laughs> well, I yeah, never. That's a very good point. Yeah. Andrew Woodhouse, not a fan of death matches, but I did enjoy this match because of how good John and Ken are and it does fit the story twice a year maximum for me and actually there's a very interesting thing because i saw someone make this point i think it was justin henry who writes for uh, cultaholics website i think it was him that made this point and i hope that he's right on this is that the because the level of violence in this match was you know in this sort of kayfabe world very very high that this almost now be like we're not going to do another unsanctioned match it's too dangerous so in the yeah. in the AEW world, Tony Khan and the rest of the vice presidents made the decision. That's it now. They're now going to crack down on that well, sort of we've thing. Yeah. We've done three of them this year, and it's gone too far. We can't do any more of these. And then you don't do one for a year, or yeah. you don't do one for 18 months. Then when you announce we're doing another Lights Out match, it's this big deal of being like, oh my God, they brought it back. Yeah, yeah. So actually, like you don't do another one now for 18 months, two years to really build that anticipation to be like, I challenge you to a lights out unsanctioned yeah. match. Like, oh my God, they brought it back. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, a good, that's, the, that's the only thing to do, really. Yeah. Start recording. Uh, the giant board with a load of mouse traps uh, and it was possibly the silliest hardcore weapon I've seen in a while. Oh, hang on. Surely we've all forgotten the uh, the uh, iron tube hid behind roses that Eddie Guerrero and China oh, yeah. used to use. <laughs> Um, I mean, Darby Allen um, putting himself through a cracker barrel barrel. Well, yeah, silly. And he's got thumbtacks on a skateboard. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did. He basically kick flipped off someone's back. Yeah. And let's not forget as well, the uh, the former Dean Ambrose used to use a potted plant as a weapon as well. Like Mitch the potted plant. I think that yeah. might be slightly sillier. Uh, Flint Mech, uh, gimmicked props and the exhaustively planned moves exhausted, uh, executed by professionals. I think it's rad that people can be so worked in 2019. Wrestling! <laughs> I completely agree with you. And lastly, uh, Carlo Masaru, or Morisau maybe. Uh, Kenny and Mox win Battle Bowl AEW version. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a really, really great match. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but let's get into the full show itself. Uh, I didn't actually get round to watching the uh, Britt Baker B Priestley match, but I heard it was no, it was good. Too, yeah. um, but really, the key to it is that it was we got the the re debut of uh, Awesome Kong. She made her yes. return after the match with Brandy Rhodes um, to beat up both of them and cut off some of B Priestley's hair yeah. to be I don't know a DNA collector. There was a great. Um it was a really good video package in the main show for that as well. Actually, yeah, that really, really, really good. That, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually. Because obviously this was announced while I was away, because I've not been here for the last couple of weeks. I was disappointed that Baker versus Priestley, A, has had a distinct lack of build on TV, despite the fact that there's been building since their second ever pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So it's had a very little amount of build on TV, which I think is a shame. And B, the fact that it wasn't on the main card, I think, is also a shame. Um you probably could have put Janela Spears on the main card and put Priestley and Britt Baker on the main card, trying to elevate them somewhat. But I think really my my biggest criticism is that I think that match deserved way more build. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it felt, it was an odd decision because it felt like 
in the lead up to it, they've done a lot of promotion online for it. It yeah. felt like it was getting a real buzz, you know, it, not, from the, from the actual company as well. And they're really talking up particularly Brit and you know her mm. sort of becoming the new fan favorite kind of thing. Of yeah, like, I don't know. I just thought it was yeah. I did think it was an odd decision to put it there. It was a. I don't know. I mean, someone who knows a lot more about the economics of these sorts of things will tell me otherwise. But it's part of me that thinks I just don't think they should even be doing pre-shows. They should just have. Yeah. Like, I don't, it seems like a slightly. It's an old school method, yeah. really, isn't it? You put it on lots of like the half hour before the the pay per view starts, and it's on that pay per view yeah. channel, so that you can go and then order it. You call up yeah. your provider to get so, it. And the problem with that is, is that you then are left with the same conundrum every time, which is okay. So this is the this might sell a few more at the last minute, so we need to put something big on it. As soon as you put something big on it, people then complain that you put the big thing on the wrong end. Yeah, it's it's a double edged sword. It's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, yeah, completely. And they obviously just had to kind of at a toss up. As a toss up, I'm surprised they didn't put Sean Spears on the pre show because more people know him. Broadly. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that's how it actually has a broader appeal. Yeah, in some way, but you know. But anyway, we got an awesome video package, um, and it was all about sort of the pressure of the show, but also about earning your spot. And actually, I thought it did a really good job of hyping me up for for this event. I thought it was a really solid opening video package, yeah. and the crowd looked amazing. Yeah, like absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I first turned, I spun around to you, and was just like, "Well, I guess crowd like, they never actually selling this one." Yeah, because there were those images that were uh, being pushed around on during the week that the the Wednesday show that they did. I, I can't remember where it was. Didn't sell particularly no. well. I think like half the arena looked like it was yeah. like empty. And I think well, there's, and there's two ways of looking at that. One, which is less people are going to see wrestling, so what? So they're trying to fill the same rooms as Raw, but mm. pretty much. Yeah. So. You know, there's there's a sort of economics to that, which you kind of think, well, that doesn't surprise me. At the same time, they're also there to make a TV show. And, you know, I've made TV shows where, you know, right, you have Brad. to, China, um, <laughs> where, you know, you've got to, you know, you're in a studio that's got 300 seats mm. and you have to, you know, paper sections of it, move people down, move people around. You know, someone wears a stupid hat, mm. so you have to move them over somewhere, you know, like. Sometimes I just kind of think, I don't actually think, it's, when it's on TV, I don't think it's a big deal because mm. they're not necessarily trying to make all their money from selling those tickets. Obviously, they would like to sell more, but I don't think, I, I take less of a sort of hardcore view on that as mm. a sort of real, being any kind of particular indicator of anything broader yeah. than just, there's, there's, not, there's just not enough physical <laughs> fans to go to so many shows. You know? I do apologize for wearing that hat, though. No, <laughs> it wasn't. A, it, was a sh- it was a show about video games in which the same person kept turning up every day dressed as Zelda. Oh, right. <laughs> full gear. So we had to just say if you full watch. Gear. Full gear. So yeah, if anyone in the UK watches, watch Dara Brian's Go 8-Bit. Good show. You can watch sequential episodes and you can spot the same Zelda in <laughs> different bits. Because she would come to the different, the same recording the same day. Yeah. <laughs> we had to keep moving her around. Speaking of which, actually, I'm going to give a cheap plug here to Steve McNeil's book, um, Hey Listen. Um, oh, yeah. Which Very is, good book. I was reading it while I was in um, Hong Kong. Uh, and it is fantastic really fun oh it's so funny yeah, yeah he's really hilarious. really good um so yeah j- check out hey listen it's a, a, a history of the golden era of video games mm. really really good um so yeah uh, we had no shivani on commentary either apparently yeah, he was a, he was he had other commitments jay said he was on assignment to the georgia bulldogs so i don't know if that was a joke or whether I, he actually just happens to not have not finished commentating for a college football team could be i don't know man but either way i felt that his presence was missing on the two show. man. The two man booth was. I've I, I find myself always arguing for a two man booth, except uh, if if the two left are both trying to be lead commentator, mm. that 
was an awkward balance, I thought. They kept sort of, they were just trying Both to 50-50. being play by play, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that quite worked. I, if I was to have a choice, I think I would probably want it to be Excalibur and Shivani. Yes, I, I, I would as well. I, I think Salty JR can be a bit much at times. Yeah, and also they're changing their commentary team a lot at the minute, you know, and they're struggling to tell the audience, you know, who is the voice of AEW. I personally think it makes much more sense just to say Excalibur is the voice of AEW yep. with Shivani, who you might, you may know and love from the 90s to the 2000s. So that makes more sense to me, personally. And I've sort of grown a bit tired of JR at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, well, well, when he's great, he's great. Still the best. Yes. Probably. But he... It's not happening enough. (laughs) There are times when... I I mean, I've had my issues with Salty JR over the last few years, particularly in his his New Japan work. Mm. And I was really hoping that AEW would be different Salty JR. But actually, it's been kind of like more or less the same Salty JR, which is just like, this is not the type of wrestling that I like, and therefore I'm going to call that out, and I'm going to say that this isn't very good. I, I prefer it if people didn't do this. And it's funny as well because I've always thought that this was a recent JR thing. But the Attitude Era podcast that they're reviewing 1997 at the moment, and JR was doing it then. <laughs> this is, they were talking about this Vader match where JR says, like, hey, are we going to get the good Vader from WCW or the crap Vader that we're getting now in the WWF? <laughs> In so many words, it's like Jay, I guess, has always just done this. He's just been yeah. he's just been much better at hiding it at times. Yeah. Bowling shoe ugly would be his core. Yeah. Like, Don't break out the star rating for this one, folks. <laughs> um, he had his moments in this. I thought he was good at times, but I, I was missing Shivani. I was missing Shivani. Yeah. yeah. Well, we opened with proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz versus the Young Bucks uh, as our opening contest. I thought this was amazing. Yeah, I absolutely loved this, this match. Match was. Awesome. I think it's also really worth saying. I know this is obviously the kind of uh, top-down management thing, but like the tag team stuff in AEW is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. So good. It's so good, and I lo- I I just think Ortiz is awesome. You know oh yeah. You know what's weird? This is not. Don't jump on me for this comparison. They've got an element of the kind of. Enzo and Cass relationship. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. So it's like Santana is this sort of like bulldogish, yeah, sort, sort of that really the, on, quite, need to keep him on a funny, leash, quite yeah. weird, like because like, the back rakes with the yeah, the yeah, he's, and he's sort of the kind of like soul of the team in a way. Mm. Now, obviously, both of them I think are much more talented and interesting <laughs> than both Enzo and Cass <laughs> combined. Yeah, but I just thought it was, it's just a funny. I, I never really noticed it before. I don't know why I noticed it this time. It just had they really played off Ortiz's personality, mm. you know, a lot like a lot more. I'm just noticing it more. I just thought it was interesting. They're such a good team. They're so fun. They're absolutely incredible. And the Young Bucks, by the way, are still so, they're still light years ahead of 90 percent of tag teams. They are <laughs> so much. good. There was a moment during this where. Um, uh, I, I, I'm really gutted that I, A, I didn't think of this joke first because it's a Stephen Larson joke, but it's so good. They, they keep calling them XLAX. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's yeah, so yeah, good. It good. But they did. They've got a great entrance theme, oh, which is rare yeah. in AEW. I was actually, I, one of my points I was going to make later on, and it was another criticism I had of AEW, sort of since in the, the post Dynamite world, is that I don't think they've made a good enough job of presenting their wrestlers through no. entrance music and the entrances. No. But I've noticed it more the last couple of weeks of, of Dynamite, at least the last couple of weeks I've, I've seen where I've not been away, and this show, it really felt like the entrance music were made more of, so the entrances were made to feel bigger, and they yeah. felt more like stars. Yeah. And yeah, Santana and Ortiz, in particular, have got a brilliant entrance thing. Yeah. 
and also the one thing they they could do, and not not to get stuck on production values again, just turn them up a bit. Which is what I think they're just quite they're honest. just quite low in the audio mix. Yeah. It's hard to sometimes like like Cody's is great. Yeah, you know the Young Bucks' new one is cool, and mm-hmm. like, I don't know. They've got, a lot of people have got good songs, but you just can't really hear them. <laughs> But there was a moment when this, when um, Santana Ortiz uh, did a gory special, a Boston crab, yeah. and a camel clutch at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Like that. Oh, God's sake. <laughs> it's nothing sacred. <laughs> <laughs> but this was great. But the, oh. the the real sort of key to this match was right at the, like, you know, sort of in the end of the first third, maybe, is when Nick doing his sort of like quick run around the ring, went to kick either Santana or Ortiz on the mm. outside and they dodged and he kicked this ring post like really hard. So hard. Like I'm sure like you smacked the top of it as well to add extra oomph to it. But it made such a noise and yeah. it made me go, ooh. Yeah. yeah. machine. Like family guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that, that really great. set up everything for the rest of the match because Nick's w- was selling the the knee, like or they're selling his shin that he couldn't really stand up properly. There was a moment when they'd beaten up Matt so much and they threw Matt into the corner to almost like challenge yeah. Nick's like tag in, yeah, if you dare, like because you're the one legged man in an ass kicking. Yeah, contest. that was a weird moment where they all just sort of stopped wrestling for about two minutes but i liked that because yeah. it was like they just they almost threw and be like day to get in yeah and, and nick fires up and he gets in and he makes this one-legged comeback and it's absolutely yeah. brilliant but when they set up to do the uh the melter driver nick falls yeah. and he crumbles Great. because he can't do the big leap yeah it was really good sell on yeah that. the crowd really kind of went oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> also, I like the fact that it really affect like the Beyond Bucks were trying to still do their style of the the constant quick tags that you know constantly mm. using that time you get you know the sort of ten seconds or whatever, um, and the fact that they were that they kept being hampered in that sort of forgetting it, having to like readjust and that was giving time for Santander to come back in again. I yeah. just thought the way they actually it actually affected their their style. I thought was really. Cool yeah, and yeah. a really good way of uh, sort of really good at selling what they were what they were each trying to do as well. It was brilliant. And eventually, um, uh, Santana Ortiz hit the street sweeper for the win. Oh, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant match. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing we haven't actually mentioned is, is that at ringside was the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, of course. Who Santana and Ortiz took out um, a couple of weeks ago for yes. the, the the tag title ceremony. And Sammy Guevara comes out to celebrate with with. Um, uh, Santana and Ortiz they get a sock full of baseballs I like this because Excalibur says like oh my god I got a sock full of baseballs and JR goes like how do you know <laughs> yeah that was come on JR that was one on. of the oddest like what a weird time to stop picking up on stuff <laughs> how could you possibly know that because <laughs> it's wrestling and he's got notes in front of him come on play along JR um, but then Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton get involved. Now, I've heard you laugh at a lot of things in my lifetime. Like, <laughs> over the years that I've known you, I've heard you laugh at a lot of things, yeah. uproariously so. You and I have played... We've had a happy time. We've played so... Like, the, the Dungeons & Dragons adventures we've gone on, we've had quite the laughs yes. and quite the japes. I've never heard you laugh so hard. <laughs> so when, when Ricky Morton hit the Canadian Destroyer... Oh my god! It's one of the best things I've seen in wrestling for some time. Because also, this is Mika. Because I, one huge bugbear I've got with wrestling at the minute, I can't stand it when old wrestlers come back. Mm. I really annoys me. I just think I just think they get in the way. I think they take shine off other talent. I think it's a, I think it's worse than a waste of time. Yeah. 
And then so they get, and I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Here's, can't wait to watch two old guys slowly remember how to punch in a wrestling match. This will be boring. And then that happened. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Funny, I, I I loved it, and now I want to see the Rock and Roll Express versus Santana and Ortiz. <laughs> I want to see that at the next pay per view. They're like, they have to sort of, yeah, but only if only if they can sort of banjo and kazooie it with the Jacksons. <laughs> so it's like all four of them, but they're sort of attached. <laughs> so each each member like, of the Rock and Roll Express, I like is, we're using that as a verb. Now. <laughs> yeah, each each Rock and Roll Express gets one member of the Young Bucks. Yeah. to sort of act as their like hold the ropes open, push them around. Because <laughs> Morton also did a big dive as well. It was insane, absolute yeah. insanity, and I loved it. Yeah, I yeah I thought it was really good. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that were really good, Hangman Page took on Pack next. Uh, I thought this was the best of the encounters they've had in their time oh, in AEW. Yeah. Like including like the WrestleGate match, which I thought was really, really good. And then the match that they had in the first episode of Dynamite. Um, and this one here. Uh, I think they've had another match somewhere down the line as well. But I thought this was the best match that these two have had. Yeah, I think, and I actually think considerably so. I think the first one they had on Dynamite actually was quite disappointing, yeah. ultimately. Um, on a night that also had some other great stuff as well. But yeah, I thought this was by far their best. You know, you know what I can see, like, you know, I... I could see they, they they really actually developed a chemistry that was slightly lacking mm. before. And I think this had a real, you know, everything from um, packs like pump kicks the whole time. Like yeah. they, they were all landing so crisp. Like the pair of them were so good at landing that stuff yeah. that actually they should work brilliantly together. It's a shame they haven't quite found it so far. But then I thought this match, they really hit their stride. Really, really so, uh, yeah. yeah. Lots of reversals, lots of back and forth action. And it ended with Pat getting the win um, with the Deadeye. I thought the match was absolutely brilliant. And also it played into the previous stories which they've told, which is the the low blow. It's how Pac's always been getting out of their matches or exactly. has been using it to cheat in, in their vic- to get victories and stuff. So Pac distracts the referee so he can do the low blow. Page seeing it coming, catches it. And that's when he gets to hit the uh, the dead eye for the yeah. win. There was a really really smart finish uh, to it, and uh, I, I do want to. Uh, so Salty Jr. was in effect in this match mm-hmm. where he was talking about I don't like seeing Hangman do high flying stuff. It was when he did he did this big dive to the outside and he did the yeah. moonsault, and I Jr. was like he shouldn't be doing that. Now, this is interesting also because he loves Pac because he's a WWE guy. So there was a weird thing of sort of a love-hate <laughs> he was going on. But he was... But I actually liked this side of Salty JR because it made sense in what he was saying. His point was not, I think it is dumb that he does this. He was saying, like, it was almost like a coaching perspective. Yes. To be like, your strength is in your Stan Hansen brawling. It's in your fallaway slams. It's in your the punches and the kicks that you do. You doing high-flying moves is an unnecessary risk that you've added to your repertoire unnecessarily. Mm. And I thought it was actually really good commentary by JR yeah. to kind of call that out and to be like, because I thought it was made a really interesting yeah. point. Because also uh, quite early on the match, they, I, can't remember, they might, I think they were having a sort of similar discussion but about Pac and they said, I think it actually might have been Escalibur who said the line, but... Um, said how Pac's size can sometimes be an advantage and sometimes be a disadvantage. They were just explaining the matchup in that in those terms. Yeah. I thought was brilliant commentary and and also was you know matching up with what you were seeing. Yeah, as well. You know, like Hangman trying to hang with Pac, who is the ultimate high flyer, yeah. was for a while a bad decision. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, I was a really, really good match. Loved the big fallaway slam off the top oh. right of my page as well. Oh man, 
guy's got such incredible strength. He's also, such a great athlete, hangman yeah. as well. Like, I know, obviously, Pat kind of can really throw himself around, but also, he's so, hangman's so strong. Yeah. And apparently as well, um, Paige um, suffered a stinger during the match as well. Um, oh, really? it, it was in the post-media scrum. It's in my news today. He said that he um, like almost lost all feeling in his right arm. And you can see, actually, watching back in the match, he's constantly doing this. He's constantly like oh. like trying to feel his fingers and be like trying to almost get that blood back yeah. into your arm. Um, so actually, you know, full credit to him. They Wonder, where, where did he the get match. the stinger then? Did, did he, uh, I, he didn't say, but he just said that he goes, "I was really, you know, I was I got a stinger during the match. Apparently, also he got a ruptured eardrum on Wednesday from Sammy Guevara, so he was wrestling the match partially <laughs> deaf. <laughs> That's how good Paige is. Um, but we're actually, it's also quite funny as well. They kept calling this the rubber match. Um, but this coming Wednesday on Dynamite, it is Page versus Pack in the rubber match. So, yeah, this, so, is, du- this is double rubber. Yeah, it's double rubber. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you've just got to stay safe. <laughs> you just, it's been in your wallet for some time. You don't hey. know. I don't know how long these things last for. No, no you've got to double, double the rubber. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're getting there, a rematch of this uh, this coming Wednesday on Dynamite. Do you want to see them at rest again? I've sort of... I think I'm okay for now. Uh, but that, well, because they've got one win apiece. So you have to. You sort of not you to get a, a deciding uh, win in there. So kind of, yeah. And I, they're also playing because Hangman's on a bit of a streak, isn't he? Has, has he, hasn't he yeah. lost a singles match, has he? Not a singles match. He's lost tag matches, yeah. but he hasn't lost a singles match. Yeah. yeah. They've been really, like, sort of, they've been building that up as well, that he is starting to, like, find his stride again since losing to Jericho uh, mm. at All Out for the, the championship. Mm. Uh, we've got a recap of the Awesome Kong angle from the buy-in. Um, and then we've got Sean Spears versus Joey Janela in a good match. In a <laughs> yeah, the uh, Sean Spears' entrance suggested something much grander than just the next match on the card. <laughs> yeah, which I thought, well, the crowd were a bit confused by that. They went, "Oh, because the lights go out and everything." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh my god, what's coming next? Ah, oh, it's Sean Spears yeah. having to sit down. Um, I don't know whether it's intentional, or not obviously from when they first started, but um, I would personally have him not uh, cosplay as Cody Rhodes. Mm, okay. With his gear. Yeah. They sort of like... They got the very similar... Very similar gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a good match. Good match. Yeah, I, I did enjoy it, actually. I thought Joey Janela was really good because they were putting over the idea that he's more than just a hardcore guy. Folks. I like that. He yeah. can do the wrestling, and he really held his own in this, but really his downfall was Tully Blanchard at ringside. And I thought they did some really smart distracting of the referee yeah, to they me. Did. and it was Earl Hebner as well the world's worst referee because he's so easily distracted yeah. he's the weakest referee as well in the world like one light tap and he's down for hours yeah, until yeah. that pinfall needs to be counted yes. um, <laughs> but he's so easily distracted and he's running around the ring trying to like stop Tully and then he's trying to stop Sean but in the end Tully distracted him enough that Sean could go and remove a ring pad uh, one of the turnbuckle pads so Earl went, got distracted by putting yeah. that back up and in the process they uh they gave Janela the spike pile driver on the outside. Tully and Sean did, um, and then Sean hit the DVD for the win, uh, which was the C four. I thought it was a really great finish. Yeah. Also, I thought it's quite cool to have. Um, it's so specific, but uh, the manager actually come and actually have a sort of do a do a real move hmm. that actually should be the win, like actually part of the finish and almost like have a. Yeah. You know, so often managers don't do anything, or they just do a punch, or they do a small thing. Like, I thought it was quite cool to actually have. No, no, no. Let's do a spike pile driver. Yeah. And it's something also that anyone could do. Mm-hmm. Just 
jump and do that. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just thought it was really. Yeah, I thought the the use of Tully was brilliant in this. I thought it was. Re- yeah, I thought that was really good. A uh, good match. I thought it was a great finish though. Um, and it's a much needed win for Sean Spears as well because. Yeah. I I I can see now in hindsight why, but I thought him losing to Cody at All Out was a mistake because I felt like you really wanted to kind of build him up. Yeah, I to have him sort of losing his first big match. I think so, especially as you know that match it had so much to, especially with obviously the chair thing. They sort of they presented as as if it was like the end of a year long feud mm. when it hadn't been. I thought that was. I think you're right. I think that was a mistake, and it is, and it has sort of set Spears back in a, in the, in a, in a I way. I thought it did, yeah. And and I remember watching it thinking, I was like, I, I, as he came out, I was like, oh, I forgot this match was happening. I, wasn't, I was just trying to sort of, I was kind of found myself sitting there thinking, where does this sit mm. in the, because AEW doesn't really have much, like it's, their hierarchy is slightly strange. You know, it's not as defined as, whereas this is like, okay, these guys are, so your mid card. This is your mid card, and I was like, okay, that makes sense to me now. Yeah. Whereas before, I kind of like, it's a shame that so quickly Sean's kind of gone from there to, to the mid card yeah, so quickly. Yeah, that's it. It was so quickly. So I thought it was a much needed win for him. As I said, in hindsight, Cody winning made sense because you want to build him on mm. that momentum to get to to this match here at Full Gear, and also because Janela's got such a defined space that he normally exists in, he can ha- he can take the loss. Yeah, and it not really affect him as much. Yeah, totally. You know, because he he's kind of doing his own thing. So I thought it was smart booking. And speaking of uh, Janela, Golden Boy was backstage interviewing Kip Sabian. Mm. Uh, our boy Kip Sabian. Um, Kip says he goes like, "Are oh, you interviewing me?" He said, "Yeah." He goes, "What's your name, Golden Boy?" <laughs> I won't remember that. <laughs> I mean, his name's Golden Boy. How could you yeah, possibly forget that? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Kip's now trying to like sort of establish a character for himself here in, in AEW. He says that it's time for a change and he's an alliance. He's now with Penelope Ford, who is his real-life girlfriend, who was the former real-life girlfriend of Joey Janela. So oh, of course, yeah. So there are so I believe that they are setting up a, a feud between Sabian and yeah. Janela now based off this sort of like, you know, real world uh heat but well, not heat between them, but sort of like real life drama between the three of them. Um but yeah, so he now announced that he they so maybe are, we maybe we are gonna have a death match sooner than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> well no, we're getting Penelope Ford on a uh on a pole match. <laughs> on a pole match, yeah. Uh they're the super bad squad. It's time to bring some real sex appeal to this company of losers. Um and Ford uh, so this is where she says like why be bad when you can be super bad mm. a reference to the bad boy Joey Janela um, so yeah I thought it was a good good promo by Kip actually yeah it, it looked it felt a little um, I don't, don't think he was quite wearing that hat as comfortably as you'd want it didn't seem oh, I thought fully, he did I liked I it. it was good yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't sort of quite buy in fully to that I must admit okay that's interesting but I, I I'm all for people trying out new characters. Yeah. I think, especially when your character has just been like, I'm a super good wrestling guy. And Superbad is a good nickname. And it kind of makes sense. So yeah, I, I think, I'm not like out on it or anything. <laughs> but you know, I, yeah, I was, I was like, okay, I yeah. see what you were trying to do. And the only thing, I guess the only thing I kind of thought was like, oh, well, don't a lot of people sort of have this character, mm. including Joey Janela? Yeah. So that's a, that's one thing. He's going to bump up against a lot of people sort of doing the same bit. Being the super cool. Yeah. A bit of aloof, which is what Jericho's doing as well. Yeah. And, yeah, no, I can, I can see what you're it's saying It's a crowded there. field of sort of um, sexy rock and rollers. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I see. I hear what you're saying. I think I'm just glad to see Kip Sabian get some TV time. That is also that's much more important to me because he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's really, really good. Uh, up next, we got Private Party versus the Lucha Brothers versus SCU for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Uh, SCU, the champions. Um, Lucha Brothers came second in the tournaments. So they got another bite of the apple here, and Private Party beat Dark Order to win the third place spot in the tournament, which got them a shot into this match as well. Um, Can I just say first of all, off the top of this? I don't think the first proper pay-per-view defense of the title should have been a triple threat. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, I thought that was a bit of a mistake. Yeah. Why have the tournament if you're just going to throw someone else in there in the first? I, yeah, I, I agree with that to, to a certain degree. I think it actually made... I think in storyline it made sense with the fact that they kind of did this sort of third-place spot. As, as a, and I'm not saying it makes sense in the terms of that's what I would have done, but I think in terms of justifying why you've done it... I think it makes sense. But yeah. it's it's not what I like you. I think I'd have just rather had SEU versus Lucha Brothers again. Yeah. You know, I just think so. I, I, as the, the top contenders. Maybe with some sort of other stipulation just to separate it. But yeah. I wouldn't have done anything crazy. No. Uh, and not I do, another yeah. ladder match. Bloody yeah. <laughs> hell. <laughs> not sure I, I'm not sure my heart could take it. <laughs> um, but this was set up because there were three teams, but it was always one on one. But what I really liked about this match was how they were working the idea that you, like, why would you tag out to another team? Yes. So I thought they actually set that up really well. So it would be like it, like Mark Quinn would be trying to get to Isaiah Cassidy, but Isaiah Cassidy would be taken out by a member of SCU. So then Quinn has to tag out because he can't stay in the match. So it's actually better to tag out and reserve your energy so you can tag in later. Uh, so you just tag in another team. I thought yeah. they actually did a, a really smart way of laying out the match. Yeah, and particularly the what particularly the uh, Mark Quinn one was done with like a real reluctance. And that's when they really sold that moment. I thought, yeah, it was, yeah I thought it was really smart. But the, my standout uh, person in this match was Ray Phoenix. Oh my god, he's yeah. he's unbelievable. <laughs> just, one of my notes here is how does he do the flips he does? Yeah, and then I've just he did another one, and I've written in all caps. How does he do the flips he does? <laughs> the thing about Phoenix as well is yes, his move set is just god tier. Yeah. But also just, it's I, just think, I just think everything he does is everything's so fast and just sort of whip sharp and it's fluid. Sh- fluid. It's just the accuracy. You know, does he have as much personality uh, as, as his Penta. brother? As Penta? Maybe not, but he's also not trying to portray a, a character yeah. in the same way that Penta is, you know. Um, but... He's one of the best workers in the world, and it's and it's he's in that top tier. It was easily for me. He's he's unbelievable. He is, yeah. He's just so good. Um, but the end of the match um, was uh, we had a shooting star press by Mark Quinn for the near fall. SCU blocked Gin and Juice and hit the SCU later for the win. Fun match. It wasn't like you know. It wasn't as good as the Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz in no. terms of tag team action on that show. But it's just, once again, you got, man, that's five teams you've got in your tag team division, as well as some of the other teams that aren't featured on this, like Jungle Express. And you've got um, uh, the Angelico and Jack Evans, best friends. And you're like, what a stacked tag team yeah, division really this stacked. company has got. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, but it was a fun match. Then afterwards, the Lucha Brothers attacked SCU, um, and Penta went to do the Pentagon Driver, but the lights went out. When they came back up, he was seeing double. I'm seeing four Pentagon Juniors. 
eventually takes off the mask. He hits the angel's wings and it's like, oh my God, it's Christopher Daniels. And it was Daniels with like the Pentagon smile yeah. on him, but he also had the fallen angel um, uh, logo. thing, yeah. Absolutely. It's cool to see the fallen angel. I, I don't know if this is now like, this is the return of the fallen angel, so Christopher Daniels. This was going to be my question. Because I thought, um, if I... Because the fallen angel was a heel mm-hmm. in TNA, went like the the peak of the fallen angel. Yes, it was definitely a heel. So I was fully expecting him to also turn and leave SCU. Mm. Um, and then he didn't. And he just sort of it was just more of a callback, which I'm actually slightly disappointed by. I was yeah. actually like, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see on TV if this is just oh yeah, he just did that because it kind of ties in nicely with the the Pentagon sort of like face paint. Or if it is, yeah, the Fallen Angel's here now. Yeah. And that's going to cause some ruptures within SCU. Yeah. And he might fracture off away from them. Yeah. And but if that was going to happen, it had to happen right there and then. I think you can, I think you can play it out. I think you can delay that storyline and almost have like Kazarian and Scorpius guy trying to coax Daniels out of the Fallen Angel persona. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay, and so, so you, you kind of like, you save the, the, the leaving of SCU for down the line. Yeah. Like you can play them like they're all on the same page for the moment, but he is fracturing away. Yeah. And he is, you know, he is the eldest one of the group. He is the, the one with the most tenure. Is we, Are we leading to Daniels stepping away from the team to be like, no, you guys are the, the future of this team, so you, mm. you know, you be at the forefront. I can just go off and do, some, do my own thing. And... Yeah eventually, you know, have my retirement match. Or, you know, is a retirement match against Kazarian. Yeah, that would be very, yeah, I, that would be very cool. Uh, slightly bemused by the choice to have somebody just dress up as Penta again. Yeah, because they did it all in last yeah. year. I yeah. feel like everyone who attacks Penta has dressed up over at some <laughs> point. I'm assuming it's because he obviously, they obviously got, when, like, Jericho did it. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Jericho did he it. Did, he it? did it to yeah, attack Omega. Omega, yeah. yeah. So they obviously got that suit made. And they must have still have well, it. No, it was, so, so the story... <laughs> if you're going to do yeah. the lights out, he doesn't... Just put the lights on and have it be Christopher Daniels there. He's already stood there. Yeah. You don't need to do a second reveal. Yeah. I think they did the reveal to be a bit fun with it. But yeah, you're right. I thought actually you could have just had Daniel standing there. And, yeah. and it might have actually had a bigger effect. I think it would have because, would have had a better... Because there, there was an audible crowd confusion when they were just staring at these two Pentagon juniors. Yeah. And it also... I guess that makes sense because it was the pile drive and all that kind of stuff. Fine. His deal is with Pentagon. But I, did, I thought that was just a slightly... That was a what you might call a hat on a hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I hear you. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, I mean, we have just fancy booked that out the wazoo. It might just be that Daniels is back with SCU and that was that as a nice nod. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, yeah. So we'll see when we get to TV, I guess. Um, for the AEW Women's Championship, we had Riho versus Emi Sakura. Uh, good video package uh, about this being student versus teacher. Mm-hmm. It was simple, effective stuff. Crowd were massively into Rio for this. Excalibur said this is the 268th match between these two people. And wow. it's actually a 50-50 win-loss uh, for, for both of them. Wow. So some nice stats going into this match from, from our boy Excalibur. This, I mean, Dave Meltzer said uh, in his review that he thought this was the best women's match in North America uh, along with, in 2019 along with EO versus Candice from NXT TakeOver, uh, the last one. I don't agree with that no, at all. I, dis- I, I thought with that. EO versus Candice was far and away superior to this. I thought this yeah. was a good match, don't get me wrong. But I thought it was a good match. 
Yeah. As it, opposed to it being like one of the best women's matches uh, in 2019. This, this didn't, um, yeah, this didn't stand out to me as uh, a particularly noteworthy. No, you know, I just thought it was good. It, was solid it, wasn't, stuff. it wasn't necessarily even the sort of third or fourth best match on this card. Yeah. You know, completely. And again, it was not a bad match. It was a very good match, actually, yeah. and a really enjoyable match. I found it slightly confusing in the. It's quite difficult. Maybe this has happened a few times with AEW that they that, and they'll 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 get more into the groove of this as they go. But it's hard to necessarily the, the bouncing between heel and face in a slightly strange way mm. with this one. You know, she's coming out. She's really fun. She's dressed as Freddie Mercury. She just sort of. She didn't. Yeah, yeah, and then she does some really fun spots, some silly spots, and then she does just loads of. And then it felt like that was her doing her stuff. But then when they were doing like the match, mm. she was like aggressive, you know, trying yeah. to teach her a lesson like that. That's so that when the moments where she went into the fun stuff, Sakura, I was I didn't enjoy it as much. But when it got to those moments as grooves where she was being like Rhea was trying to make the comeback and she was like just really being vicious, I thought that the match really clicked at that moment. Yeah. I know obviously that works well with Rhea because she's so good at playing that role. Um, but yeah, those points of the match I thought really worked, and the, and the fact that. Any match that has those kind of that bit worked, that bit was not so great, that bit worked. Those are your classic good but not great matches. Yeah, completely. I, I agree with that. I thought it was good. I, I really enjoy Riho's uh, like roll through stomps. She just seems to find yeah. new ways to do them. The one on the apron yeah. early on was brutal. Really, really good stuff. I think for me, the reason why I think I'm slightly down on this match more than is perhaps necessary um, is because I don't think that uh, Emi Sakura should have been the number one contender. It just felt like it, it just sort of she kind of came out of nowhere. Really. Yeah, it just sort of felt like this was announced out of nowhere. Like she has been on TV, but in a, in a tag match where she lost. And then I think they just announced the match and then she got a win. I think she might have got a win on Dark to kind of set that up. But I just felt like the fact that Britt Baker has been featured on TV so much. So yeah. sh- surely it felt like she should have been set up as the number one contender, which you could have got around if you wanted to say, like, no, I am the number one. Like, I'm going forward to no more contendership, but I'm so preoccupied with B Priestley. Granted, yep. I think, and actually, Britt's already lost sort of like a number one, she'd already uh, lost a championship match to Riho. I think they did on the TV. Um, but it, you could have got around that by saying like, I'm so preoccupied with B Priestley to further that storyline to build mm. into this pay-per-view match. It just felt like, I don't think Emi Sakura was the, the right contender no. here, other than it being a student versus teacher thing. And, and in direct contrast to what we were just saying about their tag division, they've actually generated with the women's division a solid sort of contendership base but they're actually so preoccupied with each other mm. that Rio hasn't really got anyone to wrestle so they've just so this is the, the I guess this has a, this, this had an immediate and compelling story but you're right I think in the slightly broader scope I don't think it actually worked as a kind of you know particularly if we're going to do and this is you know and I uh, this has been my issue with the we're going to do sport wins and losses thing from the start, which is that as soon as you say that, this is the sort of thing you get, you are going to get, you're going you to struggle into, with. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, it kind of made, coming away from this match in particular, I kept thinking, I keep talking about wins and losses. It'd be better if they just talked about rankings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If it was just rankings, there was some system made up that they came up with. Which they're doing at the moment, they're doing the power rankings. Exactly. But I think really tying it specifically to the wins losses, it, it's already sort of put them into a couple of corners they've got away with. Mm-hmm. But it does add a, a, an, air, an air of complicatedness, which isn't yeah ne- isn't necessary. And this was a match that I think kind of illustrated that point very well. I think the AEW's problem with their women's division is that WWE signed everyone. 
There is that. And yeah. so, like, <laughs> so it's the yeah. WWE for the Mae Young Classic and sort of beyond, because they wanted, they're, they're pushing their women's evolution, hoovered up all of the unsigned talents from the independent scene. And mm. was like, I'll have, you know, not even like, I'll have you, you, you. They weren't hand-picking people. They just got a vacuum out and were just like, yeah. Yeah. and just picked up every single, just, loads of people just got sucked up yeah. into the system. And so what AEW left with is just like, okay, well, who are the unsigned talents that we can get hold of? Yeah. And uh, they have got, I've said this on previous Wrestle Lives, they've got these foundations of a solid division that they can build upon, mm-hmm. but it is going to take some time to build it up. Whereas at the moment, like yeah. their men's division and their tag team divisions are already set and established. Yeah, and also I think, uh, as has happened with other parts of WWE, I think they've obviously overstocked, particularly on the women's side and their mm. developmental side. And I do think you'll see a few a few of them maybe in the next year or so start to maybe drift away or get dropped off. Yeah. And, and then they'll kind of find their way to AW maybe. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. I think there's, it's going to be a while, I think, before we really see that fleshed out. And it's a shame because I know that particularly Kenny is obviously so invested in, and obviously like part, part of their answer was, well, let's just concentrate on the, the Joshi girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do think that you do get, I've seen on like Twitter and stuff, some um, complaints about the way AW has developed its women's division. And I do think that you're right that actually a lot of the reason they've struggled is because the talent has just not really been available. Mm. And I think they would love to push it more, but they don't really have that strong, like, yeah. got six, seven deep. To, yeah. To, like, they, they haven't got that big name to hang the hat on, uh, mm. I, I think, in their women's division at the moment. But as I said, like, I think they've got so- strong foundations that they can build upon. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe getting someone like Tennille Dashwood in or getting Mercedes Martinez. They've just signed Big Swole. So they are yeah. signing names. And Tony Khan did say in the post-media scrum that they are looking to sign more women wrestlers to add to their division. Or more yeah. wrestlers to add to their women's division, I should yeah. say. And this, this is also this is also more the, all the more reason to put a Britt Baker match on the main show yeah. as well. If you're already light, give it more presence. Exactly. To yeah. make up for that, you know. Yeah. Completely. Um, and for the AEW Championship, we had Cody versus Chris Jericho, which had an amazing video package, which told oh. us great story. I have loved the build to this match. Yeah. And it's, Ollie and I have said this sort of throughout in the, the, the weeks since AEW, for, since Dynamite's launch. When they first announced that the headline match of Full Gear was going to be Cody versus Chris Jericho, I went, that's a bit disappointing. It's just Cody, you know, just being into the sort of main position. Yeah, he's got all the wins to put him into that position, but I'm not really feeling this match. But the build that they've done for this has completely turned me Mm -hmm. around to the point where Cody is now one of my favorite guys in AEW. He's my favorite baby face, and I desperately want to see him win, and I desperately want to see him win this match. That promo he did on last week's show was one of the... When I got back and I said, like, I've missed a few things, like, you know, the Fiend winning the Universe title, everyone said... Go watch Cody's promo. Yeah. It was one of the, one of the first things I, I watched back from uh, of wrestling after two weeks off. It's just, it was incredible. I mean, they basically had, you know, I mean, I'm going to use, I'm going to say viral, but I don't mean viral. I mean, viral in the mm-hmm. wrestling community, I guess. The fact that the two biggest things that were going around that everyone was sending each other and talking about were Cody's promo and Jericho's video package. Yes. To have the two things go viral that are actually promo for the same match yeah it's a that, win-win yeah it's like that's incredible um yeah i i really bought into getting cody i think now has really found this um kind of big match like he's like they're almost like these sort of uh he's like a sort of auteur director of these <laughs> yeah. big matches you know like and he can really 
they're quite unique to him now, I think. Yeah. You know, and I, and it's something that I think, you know, particularly for AEW has really is really helping them. The fact that he's putting together these these sort of epics. You yeah. Know? Are they the are they like the greatest matches of all time? No, but they're not supposed to be. Mm. They're a different thing. Yeah. They're all narrative from start to finish. And particularly with someone like Jericho, who obviously isn't physically what he was before, this is exactly the sort of match he should be doing with exactly the sort of athlete that he should be doing it with. I thought it was, yeah, I, it, I, like you, have not been as into Cody as a lot of other people, but I've totally on board from, you know. This is weeks. easily, easily Jericho's best match in AEW. Oh, easily yeah. his best match in AEW. And that I think that is a a lot of that is down to Cody. And I think it's how yeah. good Cody is at telling these stories. If you'd have told me at the start of 2019 that one of my favorite matches this year would be Cody versus Dustin, I'd have told you you were crazy. Because I thought that match would be at best fine. Like I thought it would be really good actually, because they're both so they're, they're both great wrestlers. I thought, I mean, even if they didn't try, they would still have a really good match. Yeah. But they actually put on one of my favorite matches of all time, and it was just stunning. And that was when I really started to turn a corner on, on Cody, being like, oh my God, this is incredible. Then he had the match with Darby Allen, his great match with Sammy Guevara. And, but all of the great build that they've done for this match had got me so, so invested that I was enraptured by this whole match. Yeah. I was absolutely enthralled by everything. Um, so Cody came out, huge amount of pyro for, for Cody. Oh, uh, yeah, with, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, MJF was out there with him. Um, Jericho has got Hager in his corner. This is a, a joke stolen from someone on Twitter. I do apologize, but they have sent me this a couple of times, and it's made me laugh every single time, which is that Jake Hager always looks like he's just finished his Giacomo photo shoot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> they introduced Cody. He's just one of the lads. <laughs> They introduced Cody as the grandson of a plumber and the father of a husky. Um, I thought it was some really, really nice stuff, this. But really, this, the, the key to this match was right at the start, which was when Cody did this big dive to the outside. Uh, and they had the sort of like this yeah. sort of entrance ramp. It wasn't like a sloping entrance ramp. It was flat to the ring. And so Cody did this dive to the outside onto Jericho, but Jericho moved out of the way and Cody just spiked himself into the, into the ground. Yeah. And it looked like it sucked. Yeah. And he came up bleeding like a stuffed yeah. pig. And I thought at the start, because the way Jericho kind of went towards the camera, I thought that was like perhaps intentional sort of block. Whatever. Yeah. And I thought he was, when he came up bleeding, I thought, oh, okay, he's he's landed like this and then, mm. yeah, and then bladed. Um, but then quite quickly you see, no, he's just got this massive bruise like yeah. all around here that gets worse and worse throughout the match. Like he really brained himself on the that photo <laughs> that is gross yeah. so the AEW posted up a picture because apparently he's also not been cleared to wrestle this week um and it looks gross um i obviously this was a, a planned spot for him to hit it hard but i think he hit it super duper hard yeah um this is also in my news today but mike johnson of pw insider said that apparently the, the match was nearly called off um the the doctor had to make the decision are you is he okay to still continue and he made the call. Yeah, I, uh, he's okay. I mean, this is twice now in very recent memory. Cody has taken massive hits to the head, and you know, I'm all for you know the the level of wrestling nowadays is just unparalleled to what it's been before. Frankly, mm. it's incredible where you can go to almost any promotion, any indie, in front of forty people, and you'll see some pretty top quality stuff. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and. 
I just think I just think it's totally okay that we just we just shouldn't accept people getting smashed in the head anymore. Yeah. And I don't want to see it. I don't like seeing it. You know, I don't want Cody to be knocked out all the time, you know, or and that that bump way more dangerous than anything that Omega and Moxley did in their oh, match. Yeah, exactly. Like, people saying that match went too far. I think everything they did there was completely safe, but that spell with the big dive that that Cody did like he just completely brained himself. But also, this is the problem with that with that specific dive is you you have to pitch forward. Yeah, you're gonna land like a missile. There's no way of not doing it unless you actually flip. Yeah, I, I don't know why they didn't. They had to have come up with some other way of doing it. I don't know. I, I was not a fan of the actual. The more I think about it, the more the spot was only ever going to end up with him doing that. Yeah. You know. But then the visual of it was really good, and as you said, like coming up and he was just bleeding yeah. absolutely like profusely. Was it was a really, really striking visual and it then told a great story for the rest of the match. So I think yeah. like the planned spot is fine. It's just that I think that he did land harder than was probably intended, which is why as you say he yeah. came up and it was just bruised like anything and it's just yeah. got worse over time. Um but some really, really good stuff in this match. I th- I, as I said, I thought this match was absolutely fantastic. Um, we had a, a moment when it, he went to, almost like he was setting up to do the disaster kick, but instead hit a diamond cutter. Yeah. And Excalibur was like, what a loving tribute to, to Diamond Dallas yeah. Page, which I thought was really nice. Um, Mama Rhodes was at ringside. She slapped Chris Jericho. Yeah. A couple of so, times. She <laughs> went in for a second one. All right, Mum. <laughs> she went in for seconds and the crowd like got a big pop out of it. Um, there was also a bit that Excalibur really made me laugh, which is when um, uh, Cody does this big bicycle kick and Excalibur called it a bicycle kick. He's <laughs> a uh, 46-inch bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really funny. Um, Jake Hager got involved in this. He tried to like, there was some distraction from there and um, it, was a, it was, what was it? it was, uh, so Hager shoved Cody and then Cody sent Jager, sent Jericho into Hager, mm-hmm. sort of roll up by Cody. Then he kicked out. And that allowed Hager to punch him. Nice, simple, sort of like good psychology-based wrestling stuff. And then Aubrey Edwards ejects yeah. Hager from ringside. The crowd go nuts for it as well. The one thing I did think about this was it really looked like that Aubrey was very much, it was very much plain view. Of her, the punch. Yes, that should have been. Should if well, again, which is why I know we don't like nitpicking, <laughs> but that should have been a disqualification. But I, and I will argue in AEW's defence here because later on in the match, Jericho was wearing a weight belt. I was going to bring this up as well. <laughs> well, Jericho's wearing this weight belt as a way to kind of like take the piss out of Cody because Cody's got the Nightmare Family yeah. weight belt that he likes to use, and Jericho had one made, and they they point out in commentaries like he had this made especially for this match as a way to make fun of of Cody, and Jericho takes this off at one point and he starts whipping Cody with it right in front of the referee now normally I would say like well surely that's a DQ but in this instance I do think this is in line with the argument of it is ref's discretion and the commentators put over a lot that Aubrey Edwards does not want this match to end in DQ particularly because Cody cannot challenge for the title if he loses okay so Aubrey Edwards as a character does not want to end this match with BS because that's kind of screws Cody out. And so I, I think that she was, I thought it actually worked within the confines of the story. And I thought it made Aubrey Edwards look as a really good, credible referee because she got the belt out of it. It was like, I'm not having you go down this way. I'm not going to DQ you, but I'm also not having you use this weapon either mm. to throw it out the ring. Okay. And which is why I thought it was also good that she ejected uh, yeah. Hager when she did. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. 
Oh, cool. I'm, glad, I'm glad I can change yeah. your mind. <laughs> yeah. great. Um, uh, it'd be pretty cool if we're talking sort of three years' time and particularly with the sport element of the thing, if they're talking about how important ref selection could be for a big title match, this ref tends to be a bit more like this. They actually this did that in this. They like, said that at the start of this match. They uh, they, they said that... Um, ah, man, I've forgotten the, the lad's name now. The bald ref that they've got. Oh, the, young, the younger one. Yeah. They yeah. said they... Uh, oh, oh, Rick, no, Rick, no, Rick, Rick Knox. Oh, Rick Knox. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Rick Knox, they said that he is better suited to tag teams because he's good at managing multiple levels of people. Whereas Aubrey Edwards is better suited to these one-on-ones, which is why she's always picked for um, these big matches. She's like their lead referee for like the big title matches mm. and things like that. And I think Earl Hebner is, a spe- is picked for if there's a manager on the outside that he can easily get distracted yeah. by. Like, that's where he <laughs> yeah, is yeah, best yeah, suited yeah. to. <laughs> um, and then uh, eventually uh, Jericho grabbed the title belt well and Hager's because Hager attacked MJF on the outside. Jericho grabbed the belt and he hits Cody with it. Big late kick out by uh, Cody. He dodges the Judas effect and hits the crossroads for an amazing near fall. He then fires up and does the dusty punches and the bionic elbow. Here's a disaster kick, which is reversed into a code breaker for another amazing near fall. Uh, that's when we get the weight belt uh, bits. And then Jericho, uh, Cody hit a top row Parankin Rhino when he tried to. And then Jericho reversed that into the walls of Jericho. Crowd was so into Cody getting out of it and he made it out. Um... Cody gets another near fall, but then Jericho locks in the walls again and he's stomping on the head. Yeah. And then really, really locks in. And you can hear MJF on the outside screaming for Cody to, to get out of it. And in the end, MJF threw in the towel for Cody Rhodes, mm. which I thought was an amazing finish for several reasons. But my favorite reason as to why this was an incredible finish is it was the finish that no one saw coming. When yeah. everyone has been booking and kind of like giving out their ideas of what you could do in terms of the Jericho or the, the Cody stipulation, I'm not going to challenge for the world title again if I lose. So everyone's like, okay, if he's not going to win, maybe you could do this, maybe you could do this, maybe you could do this, Cody does this, blah, 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 blah. The one thing I never saw anyone say was MGF throws in the towel for him. Yeah, I think at the, in the, I think I would have liked to have seen it to me they didn't do it wasn't locked in long enough with enough other camera angles of how much pain and exhaustion cody was going through okay I hear so, that. Yeah, yeah. so in the moment i it was out of nowhere for sure and would have been anyway but in that moment i didn't quite feel i'd been sold into that possibility mm-hmm. you know yeah enough at that point so it kind of i it must admit in the moment i was a bit like oh Oh, okay. It's like, it's not as good as when um, Mustache Mountain did it with the Undisputed Era. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was worked really well. Yeah, um, but yeah, so you know, it was yeah, it was. I did enjoy the finish. I thought it was a really, really great finish. And then afterwards, Cody is pissed off at, at MJF, and MJF is just like on his knees begging for forgiveness and just keeps saying, "I'm so sorry." Mm. But Cody and Cody is comes comes around to this realization of being like, "Look, the kid did the right thing. I'm his mentor. I've you know." You know, got to respect the decision that he made, even though I now cannot challenge for the belt. And then MJF kicks him square in the dick and does a big old heel turn, even though he's already a heel, um, and gets some fantastic heel heat yeah. for it. This was a brilliant, brilliant closing match angle. He just bathed in the heat that he was getting. Someone threw a full pint at him. Yeah. <laughs> And he just I, took it. I don't care if that was a plant or not. I, I don't was, care either. Absolutely don't care. It was an amazing visual. I thought it was so good. Um, Ollie and I have been talking about how I'd have I'd have held off on the MJF heel turn for a little while. 
And, yeah. you know, even after they've done it, I still wish they'd waited another six months, six, eight months. I, I would have liked to have seen Cody versus MGF at All Out 2. It's like one of your big marquee matches for All Out 2. Yeah. And you could probably still get there at this point, but I would have, maybe I'd have done the turn at Double or Nothing 2 to then set up All Out 2. Yeah, I think, I guess the, the slight issue they have, isn't it? It's like, because they'd really built this up, you know, quite literally... By this was going to be uh, Cody's biggest match in AEW because if he lost, he was never going to change title again. Mm-hmm. So in terms of how they, you'd consider the hierarchy of match, you know, this yeah. would be this was going to be the so like, and he was putting everything on the line. So it's almost like when are the stakes going to be higher again? That's true. So they, yeah, so, yeah. So you kind of had to do it. You now. Sort of had yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear that actually. Yeah, I didn't really consider that. So actually, that's a really good point. Um, but I thought it was a great match really really good another amazing outing for cody and as i said i thought it was jericho's best aew match thus far mm-hmm. and it was really really great and then we got the omega moxley lights out main event so overall i thought this was a terrific pay-per-view yes i thought from great. start to end the only matches where i was like yeah but even then i was like oh man it was still really good was Sean Spears and Joey Janela and the the women's championship match. Mm. But everything else I just thought was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and even those two, I, I agree with you. I think those two were the only um, things that weren't on the same level as everything else. But when you're this high up, yeah, exactly. I still think those two matches were very enjoyable and yeah. really good matches. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I guess my the only thing I came across came across to me, which I, I don't know why it's the case, but I don't feel like. Particularly, like, so the double or nothing had a full set, and all kinds of. I know how expensive these things are, but it did look like dynamite. It had the gears and stuff. It wasn't as big as double or it nothing. It had pictures yeah. of gears. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So it had some bits, which obviously that I know that's so much money to do with full sets and stuff. Mm. But I just thought, even something as simple as could they've done something more with the colours, made everything more gold and brown or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. That was, I did feel like it lacked something in the presentation. I felt just lacked that you know this thing is very big and important i hear guys, that yeah you know? yeah i hear that um but i mean in terms of just in terms of what happened happened in the ring and in terms of the, the, the actual show presentation i thought it was fantastic and i saw um trevor dame who's a fantastic uh wrestling commentator on huge uh, on twitter rather um he's he felt that it was just a um, a big version of an episode of Dynamite, which I, I disagree with, actually. I thought it was, was way bigger than just felt like an, an overlong episode of Dynamite. I thought it was a... a this was pay-per-view level quality throughout. Yeah, I do... I do I can... Um, yeah, so my, so my sort of commentary on the presentation is kind of like, I think it looks too much like Dynamite. But I don't, it didn't feel like a longer Dynamite. No. It did feel... Being, I think they have done well, particularly with the way Cody builds to these matches. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did, it did feel like... You know the the main matches that you were supposed to be excited about were felt really big and really special and were for this one night only. I did yeah. think that I think they actually did a very good job of building that. Completely agree with you. And, and um, yeah, I thought it was a. And actually, I think come the end of the year, we might look back on this as as one of the best pay per views of the year. Actually, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's certainly up there.
Um, right, well, let's get into your super, super, super chats. We've got a few more on the uh, the title of this video about Kenny and Moxley. Uh, New Punk Rants says, Did everyone forget that Moxley promised glorious violence? People didn't pay attention to his promo. I loved it and full gear. Welcome back, Luke. He Thank also, you very much. He also kept saying that in the match. Yeah. He referenced his own promo. And Excalibur kept bringing it up as well. Uh, Jobber JJ says, Popped for the Mousetrap uh, reason, the Mousetrap board game. I always hated the Mousetrap board game. Oh, I love Mousetrap. Took forever to set up. (laughs) By the time it was set up, I'm like, can't be asked to play this anymore. (laughs) Um, But like now, in my 30s, if you present to me a board game that's got multiple pieces and it takes forever to set up, I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) Brilliant. Let's do that. (laughs) Uh, Dinsey Noblet says Moxley and Omega couldn't have prepared people more so for the controversy I don't get uh, it's not my type of match uh, but for that type I give it five stars the beating Kenny gave Moxley might be nothing uh, to what Renee gave him <laughs> Renee's uh, Twitter, Twitter commentary yeah, was so yeah. good where it's like hi yes hello I don't like this <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nitz N says only problem with Moxley and Omega is there was no proper reason as to why they hate each other to demand such a violent match the only thing was Omega teasing him about the MRSA or Mercer um, which was on being the elite I think in the the hype package it was on there as well it was on there as well but also Omega said and I do agree with this actually this wasn't they didn't make more of this is he kind of brought in him saying that he was better than everyone else in that other promotion which is actually referencing a feud he has online with Seth Rollins. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think, yeah, I agree with this. I don't think they did enough. To, they've not really done enough to go, well, what is it specifically about these two that they, what is, what is their initial? I think they, they did some, a lot of stuff leading into All Out. I thought they actually did some, uh, quite a lot of work in that. Because well, after the, the match was cancelled, Kenny Omega cut that fantastic promo. Yes. Where he was like, you wanted to go to Japan and be Kenny Omega. You wanted to live the Kenny Omega life. Yeah. You wanted to do the G1. You wanted to do this. You wanted to do that. And what happened? You got a staph infection because you're not as good as I am. Yeah. And that's why he's then been going to do the... He went and did the unsanctioned match with Joey Janela on AEW Dark because he wants to live the John Moxley life oh, and course. show that yeah, I'm... Yeah, yeah. Not only am I better at you at being me, I'm also better than you at being you. And, yeah. and Moxley wants to, you know show that he should be the champion in this company and be one of the top guys, which is why he was so pissed off. This was an unsanctioned match that doesn't give go on his win-loss records. I actually thought they did a really good job as to why this match was the way that it was and why they hate each other. I, for, hmm. for me personally, yeah. maybe it's not been enough on TV, um, but I think, I think on, yeah. on AEW Dark and on the, the YouTube stuff leading into um, All Out, which is obviously before they got TV, I thought they actually did... Yeah, I guess I guess in the, even in the high packages they didn't really actually bring up a lot of that stuff. I think is probably the only thing. So the bit the thing that's supposed to remind you of all that stuff, I don't think really yeah hit that yeah hit that actually. Word. I think it's fair enough. Uh, Michael Howell says I connected it and it, and that was good s words. Mm. Uh, on the subject of MJF, Sean Turner says MJF heel turn was too soon in my eyes. It could have been easily played the notion that MJF was protecting Cody, throwing in the towel with Cody wondering did he do it to save him or never getting the belt. I agree. I think they could have held off on yeah. it for a while. Uh, Sterling Van says MJF gives me hope for the world of heels. Yeah, he's he is sort of the only proper heel, and yeah. I don't like I like I don't I've not really been a big fan of this sort of he's the heel. But I mean, this is this is something I do think. It's a wrestling thing. Heels, are they cheered or not? You know, mm. blah, blah, blah. But I do think 
with him, they've got something that actually does generate real heat. Yeah. And I think I'm glad. To, I'm, I'm glad. However, even if they could have done it, they could have held off and got a bigger pop for it, maybe. Ultimately, he's their ticket to we could actually get a monster heel on our hands yeah, here. Yeah, completely. Uh, Matthew Shields says, nice to see you again, Luke. Nice to see you, mate. Uh, hope you had a great vacation. I did. Uh, I had tears in my eyes when Cody lost. I think MJF is now the most hated heel in wrestling. I, yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, really is. Uh, AEW Miscellaneous. Uh, this comes in from Mitchell Heffley, uh, who says, that pay-per-view was the first AEW Dynamite event I've seen. I'm so happy with the pay-per-view. Mm. Oh, it was really, really good. Start Recording says, do you think Sean Spears should change his gimmick soon since many people will move on from the chair shot to Cody at some point? I kind of have. I sort of agree with that. Yeah. I think. I mean, I also think, you know, he's supposed to be this, you know, heel who hits people with chairs but he has like bright pink gear and white boots and mm. i'm a bit confused by what I, there is not there is not a uh a concentrated effort as to what he's actually trying to be at the minute i think is the issue yeah the chairman is a good gimmick it but is a good it, gimmick but it does feel like i mean cody seems to have well moved past it and again like as we said earlier in the show because he lost that match he lost his first match under the chairman gimmick it doesn't really feel like he's established himself as I'm the chairman of this company. Yeah. Because you lost, mate. And yeah. then you lost a couple more times after that. And you're only now starting to get some wind under your belt. And also, um, was obviously never going to be allowed to use that chair in the same exactly, way again. Yeah. So it's like, you've already done that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I do, I do think that you need to sort of move on from that now. And yeah. King CJ says, number one, welcome back, Luke. I missed you a lot. Thanks, mate. I missed all of you too. Uh, two, do you think there will be a recorded match between uh, the two, I'm assuming he means Moxley and Omega? And three, who do you think will challenge Jericho now? Uh, yes, I think that Moxley's win here will now set up a match on record between him and Omega so he can go on their win-loss yeah. records, um, which is funny that you've done the gimmick match to set up a straight one-on-one -on -one match. Um, and to answer who should challenge Jericho next, that's a really good one. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I kind, of, um, I kind of wrote down that it seemed to me that they were sort of suggesting that Hangman is the sort of de facto... Uh, number one because he's because of his record and his power rankings as well yeah I wonder if you could tie that into the match they've got on Wednesday to be like not only is this the rubber match it's also going to determine who the is the, the next contender to that makes, that makes the most sense to me yeah me as well um, start recording again says do you think Orange Cassidy could get an underdog story leading to an AEW championship match at some point and that's where we finally see him get serious um, I'm going to say no and I'm also going to say I don't think I want to see that i think we need to see that maybe one day yeah as the as the character grows but i think at the minute they should just lean into this very hot character he can have his own you know aw does have a great section of the roster which can which is doing these sort of slightly more ironic funnier interesting matches yeah. and i think he's perfect for that maybe one day i'd like to see him kind of grow grow out of that and yeah every wrestler should reinvent them as they go and i think he could be the guy that does that but for now i think Let's just enjoy it for now. Yeah. You know, we don't need to do everything now. Uh, Zach Icon Linda says, uh, B versus Brit was Brit's best match so far. Uh, so that's very interesting. Actually, I'm going to watch it. Um, either to, I'm going to try and watch it tomorrow morning, mm. I think. Um, Nitz said, uh, with a very big uh, donation, it says, how long can Janela keep taking losses without losing credibility? He's lost all of his major matches and soon may be becoming the losing hardcore guy. Um, I think that AEW has sort of created this sort of hardcore world in which they, like Janela is it can be in there can mm -hmm. move in and out of there Jimmy Havoc Jimmy Havoc Darby Allen can kind of move in and out of there and I think that actually 
because they can hold different places in the audience's mind. I don't think it holds him back specifically as much as you'd think. Yeah. Um, despite the concentration on uh, rankings or whatever, uh, I think actually he's sort of immune to that a little bit. I think not for long. Yeah. Not, no, no. But for now, I don't think it's actually affected him. And he was sort of, he should he should have lost that match. Yes, completely. No, I, I agree. I think he can, I think he can take a number of losses under his belt, to be honest, and still remain, retain that credibility because they always push him as like, he wants to show that he can be that wrestler. So I'd like to see him do that storyline where he is, you know, he finally gets that big win in a wrestling match. Um, and now, you know, we're moving on to Chris Sabian, Chris Sabian, not Chris Sabian from the Motor Machine Guns, Kip Sabian, yeah. rather. Um, I think we might get that. Kratos' uh, Forgotten Son said, hello, my friends, and welcome back, Luke. Thank you very much, Chris Petrow. Uh I absolutely loved Full Gear. I do agree that both women's matches needed more build-up and Shivani was missed. Still an amazing show. Wrestle Talk for, for, for life. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, Jerome Capo said, it was awesome to see live in person my oh, wow. first pay-per-view. Oh, wow. Very That's cool. a good way to yeah. start off as well. Zach back in again to say, um, Emi Sakura is like the tough Yo- uh, Joshi veteran. Well, yeah. I didn't. I honest to God, when she said, I'm 43, I was like, balls. Yeah, no, you're not bugger off. <laughs> so, thing, so when she was being the tough Joshi veteran, I really enjoyed it. But there was a, too many moments in that match where she was also being, I'm the fun... Mm-hmm. Silly person, and I don't think, yeah, and I think that's when that match struggled. That's when it lost its, yeah, sort of mode. I think. And he says again, he says here, Zach, that is, AW Women's Division is less than two months old, but so is their tag team division, and their tag team division seems way more established. Yeah, and there, there's there's multiple storylines running on at the moment that are that are getting TV time. Mm. So I don't think just saying that it's it's the women's division is less than two months old is is an argument to be made when their other divisions are also in the same boat and they are stratospheres ahead. Um, Spider Dan Ikovic says, can we stop calling the Bucks the best tag team? With the no-sell injury and PMP losing their heat post-match, they need to make uh, they need to make others more important. Uh, they did sell the injury, though. Like, yeah. That was the whole, that led to the finish. And they did sell the injury. I, do, I think, you know, you have to give credit where credit's due. The Young Bucks are in the top tier of tag teams in the world. They just are. Yep. Not a lot of people like that style, sure. Um, but they just they just are. And I think it's kind of silly to kind of put them in any other place other than that, you know, even if you're not necessarily a big fan of them. I think you have to admit they, they are in that operation. Yeah, on. completely. Um, Wild Panther says, um, think that WWE have conditioned audiences for five-minute 2K-style matches. So when we get old-school New Japan-style, people like to pop-pop, uh, like to pop-pop it. I wonder if he means poo-poo it. Uh, I love the pay-per-view and the stories. I thought it was a great show. Yeah. Uh, Kratos Forgotten Son uh, said, I was thrilled to see Jericho bring back the proper old-school Lion yes, Tamer again. I did yeah. enjoy that, yeah. I also wanted to say as well, I also was glad that he didn't have the spike jacket and hat. Because I think it makes him look like sad dad yeah, that and his makeup rock band. Is rubbish. Yeah. Uh, props to him for making the move rarer over the years. It feels special. Oh, also in his uh, entrance stuff, it was Le Champion instead of Painmaker. Yeah, I'm glad they've kind of he's dumped that. Reinventing himself yeah. once again. Uh, Mr. Nico said, uh, what kind of dolt actually could not see an MJF heel turn coming because it wasn't built over the last several months? Sigh. Um, no, I think everyone saw the heel turn coming. I think from day one. Like everyone's seen the heel turn was coming. It was I the only think, thing that was ever going to happen. Yeah, it was the absolutely. But I think the it was when it was going to happen. I think yeah. it was more the the debate about it. Um, Christopher May says, "Do you think the prices of pay per views will go down soon? Fifty bucks is a lot. This I think is a fascinating point. Yeah, because, how much? Yeah, sorry, how much was it? So it's fifty bucks, 
what I think is fascinating about this is that the network has spoiled us. Because yeah. back in the day, 50 bucks was the price for every pay-per-view, mm -hmm. and that was every month. Mm -hmm. So WWE were, they, at one point, I think they ran 15 pay-per-views in a year, and each one of those is 50 bucks. Yeah. But now, because they charge you 10 bucks a month and you get you know, the 25 or whatever it is that they do throughout a year, when you then say it's now $50 for this show and we're doing them four times a year, people are like, whoa, that yeah. seems a bit steep. I th the network really has conditioned a new generation of wrestling fans to think that pay-per-view prices are too much. Yes, and I do think it's also conditioned um, the audience. And even I don't, think, I don't think anyone's immune to it is that it's taken the shine off pay-per-views as an event. Yeah, completely. They've done too many of them. They're too long. They're, you know, and yeah, I, I, I just think they've, they've really spoiled the, the sort of shine a pay-per-view should get. And I think AWR actually, even though I think, it's, I think that's obviously very expensive, but what they're asking for their audience is that they're only going to do it a couple of times a year. Four times a year. Now, I think it's someone that obviously going to increase that. But I think we're a long way off them doing, you know, 20 plus, you know, whatever WWE gets up to now. Um, they're certainly not going to go to Saudi Arabia anytime soon. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm not against it. I actually think I support them in actually saying, no, this is a this is the way this is a better version of that. This is yeah. a better way of doing it, asking l less over of, of our fans all the time. I think I actually kind of agree that they should they should con they should uh, commit to doing the opposite. Yes, I completely agree. Uh, Jamie Lavin says, not going to lie, I want them to get Skrull, uh, as is rumoured, and have him be a massive character. I was hoping that he would cost Cody Rhodes. It's funny, because that's the last of their group. He's the last big yeah. name, isn't he? Completely is, yeah. In. And I think they will go. Depending on, I mean, Ring of Honor are throwing out money at the moment. They but. are, and you know, I think he's a guy who holds a lot more WWE ambition than some of the other guys did. I think a bit like Adam a bit more like Adam Cole was. Mm -hmm. Like Adam Cole wanted to go there. I think Skull, I think I said before, he's that's kind of been his yeah aim. So I don't know. I definitely think there'll be a bit of a a bidding war between between it'll be between I think it'll be between WWE and AEW. I don't think he'll sign again for ROH. Well and ROH will I think it'll be certainly a three way war because ROH will certainly be doing everything they can to keep him yeah. and the rest of Villain Enterprises. Um so yeah, I think we'll certainly see a three-way battle for him. Uh, King CJ says, another question just hit my mind. Do you think AEW can make a better version of Aces and Eight if they wanted to? I mean, they've got the Inner Circle. I don't think they need to have another... And I like the Inner Circle, actually, as well. I think yeah. it's, a good, it's a good number for a group, mm -hmm. just in terms of how many they've got. I think they've got everything they need. They've got to see the charismatic leader. They've got the muscle. They've got the sort of upstart troublemaker kid. They're yeah. And they've got the solid tag team. I think it's sort of like the ideal... Yeah, they just need yeah. to, if they can get a woman in there as well. This is this is the thing. I think yeah. they, they, that's where they need. You know, really, that's the thing. I kind of thought it'd be better if, you know, Kong aligned herself with Jericho or someone rather. Oh than no, I think Brandy I like Rose. her being outside of that group. I think her yeah. and Brandy as a as a tandem. Yeah, I no, maybe right. Yeah, I just the Brandy thing for me. The the thing that's wound me up with Brandy in AEW has just been that. She's been this heel character when she's with Awesome Kong, but then she comes out as the smiling baby face with Jericho. And you're like, well, which one are you? Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't have it both ways. Like, it works with MJF because MJF is a heel, but him and Cody are just friends. Yes. And so it, their dynamic works. And I suppose you can then say it works with Brandy, but then when she's doing those video promos where she's being like, you know, when we, Cody said he was going to have the title match, we knew we were going to lose him for two months. You're being the sympathetic 
baby face character and then on that same show you're just like no i'm the mean bitch and this yeah, is my yeah, yeah. my muscle so it doesn't it doesn't really work but now i think if you can just separate the two and she doesn't come out with cody and she is just aligned with awesome kong that's when i think it mm-hmm. can completely work uh wrestle talk miscellaneous nathan the alpha wolf uh says i'm working so i can't say uh, much but i'm risking it all to say welcome back luke lovely time with the boys uh by the way this is a great pairing of yourself and housemate simon hmm. Yeah, we don't get. We I think we've only ever done one or two videos together in this format. That's true. It's because we um, obviously in real life uh, can't stand each other. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, I think you're a, a disgusting human being. But you know, you we, we seem to do well. well yeah. yeah, I actually was really chuffed when your character in D and D died, and yeah. I'm also glad that it was mostly my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I had it coming. <laughs> um, Keo Sai says, "What song did you use for the Mecha news today?" Now. So this is a fun fact for, for people. This has only ever been really talked about in our Patreon stuff. I don't choose the songs. That's uh, our editor who makes who does the videos. He picks the anime songs that go underneath my Mecha News intro. Oh. I, I, I often don't know who they, what they are, but, I, but he does it because he likes to see people recognize it in the comments. And it pops him when someone's like, is that this anime this this uh, really obscure right, anime right, and yeah. stuff so yeah it is very much a that's a very editor thing to do <laughs> and i love it absolutely love that he does it but uh, the majority of the time I, I don't know um jesse venable says luke best wrestling return uh cgr i'll say yeah, I said it for you, Jesse. Um, and Jesse said this is his uh, favorite Rust Talk duos, uh, or his favorite Rust Talk duos are Ollie and Luke, SoCal and Laurie, and Simon and Luke. Oh, oh. Hey, maybe we should do this more yeah, often. Yeah, well, he doesn't like screen stalking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> poor, poor Pete. <laughs> Uh, and the Zornice says, uh, thanks to Pete for being awake equ- uh, and professional. Um, yeah. Yeah, fair play to Pete for actually. Um, yeah, fair play to Pete. He did an amazing job while I was away. He balls up Patreon, something special, which I'm. <laughs> which I, I've, I've got to fix in my uh, my spare time this evening. Um, but uh, yeah, um, but you know, credit to him. He did a really good job. Yeah, well done, Pete. Well done, Pete. He's a good lad. Yeah, he's left a pizza box in the office though. Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up because I just came. I came in this morning. I've been up and I've been here for two weeks. It was a pigsty. Now there were there were cups everywhere. There's a bike in the middle of the office. Yeah, pizza box. I know. Well, you know, not to go too inside baseball for the folks at home, but there was a time when Pete was very naughty of things on his <laughs> desk. <laughs> and here he is, just pizza boxing away. A pizza box, yeah. if you will. Yeah, pizza yeah. Cornell. Yeah, well, well, we'll tell a fun story, then we'll get out of here. <laughs> when Pete first joined, it's probably about a week into him being here full-time, yeah. he sent... Uh, and by the way, he was totally right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do want to stress, yeah. 100% in the right. <laughs> but he just came, like, he was in first thing in the office, and he just sent this message to us in our WhatsApp group, just saying, like, guys, I don't want to be that guy, but I've just spent the first 20 minutes of my day cleaning up the office because there was just cups everywhere yeah. and the place was was pretty gross yeah. and mainly regularly just leaving trash on his desk <laughs> that was an issue that was an issue but it was like but because he just joined we sort of made this big joke about it. I was like oh Pete the diva yeah <laughs> wants everything spotlessly yeah. clean and then for the next week everything went on his desk <laughs> because we're nice like that
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.